the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Giannetti. Monday, February 20th, we are the day before the franchise tag window opens in the NFL. So things are really starting to ramp up here. Um, I updated the recent piece that I had posted on the tag situations in the NFL this year, including the actual numbers, franchise tags, and transition tags for East position. 17 candidates uh, and an explanation of what each tag means, the exclusive tag, the non-exclusive tag, the transition tag, and some of the tender numbers as well as we head towards this offseason. It's a two-part NFL 101 today. I'm going to go through some of those tag situations uh, and some of the candidacies because they are growing interest as the uh, as the day progresses here, especially in New York. And I'm going to do a little bit of a cap one-on-one as well as we head towards the offseason, what the tenders mean, the top 51 stuff, the dead cap stuff, restructures, um, extensions, and what it means immediately for an impact. Uh, some, just some quick, really quick informational stuff to get us all ready for March 15th and the days preceding that, because uh, like I said, starting tomorrow, we'll, we'll really start to see some action here. Now, look, 19 teams aren't going to tag a player tomorrow. You know, that's just not how this works, but they have a February 21st and March 7th window. So there's plenty of time to make decisions, especially for teams that have a couple of options, which we'll get to. But I do think it's going to be uh, heavily utilized this year. I've said that the past couple of seasons, we do have, we are tracking all of these tag decisions, uh, offers, signings, didn't sign, extended out of the tag, didn't extend out of the tag, was traded on the tag. Uh, we do, we go all the way back here on this thing. So there's a, a CBA version of our NFL pages on Track. There's a franchise tag section. There's a transition tag se- section. And we go year by year. Uh, you know, last year there were eight franchise tags. Three of those players extended. One of those players was traded, Devontae Adams. And four of them signed the tag. Um, that's kind of been how this has been going. So if I go to 2021, 10 tags, six of them signed that tag and played on them. Four of them were extended out of that tag. The tag and trade is not as prevalent as it probably should be. I think there's a chance two players get traded this year out of the tag. And I mean that honestly. Um, I think this is coming more and more. I think this is going to be a bigger deal. So what I'm prefacing you for here is what could be a weaker free agency. And I think that's right. I don't think we're going to have the the marquee names that keep this thing going for a week, right? It's going to be a two or three day splash. There's no question about that with some of the quarterback stuff. But I think this tag stuff could be extremely interesting this year. We're going to see at least one player get a second tag in Orlando Brown Jr. I'm going to put him on the trade candidacy block too. So he's one of those two. Uh, Let's get into it. Let me put it this way. If you quickly scroll down the tag stuff on our page, on our site, you'll see that the tables get shorter and shorter and shorter. 2020 was the culmination. We had the most tags uh, of the past couple decades here. I think we're going to be in between there somewhere. I'd, I'd guess around 8 to 10, maybe maybe 11 or 12, if some of these teams get fr- get thrifty with it. But let me put it this way. I did a piece two weeks ago on this tag stuff. I had about 11 candidates. I had to add six more this morning because... Things are starting to ramp up. Now, look, I don't think I don't think for the most part, like I said, 75% of those players are getting tagged. 
But it's very possible that we see of my candidates see eight or nine, about half of that. So let's talk about some of them here. Uh, I did a piece on exclusive tags, especially as it relates to Lamar Jackson. I think I'm positive that's where we're going with this. And just to reiterate it, because I want to make sure it's said properly out there. If the exclusive tag calculates the 45 million, and it does right now, 45.24, I think is the number. That is not what Baltimore is going to have to show on their tax, on their, on their cap right now. They're going to show the calculated non-exclusive figure the second that the tag is offered. And by the way, that's how this works. The second that the team says we're going to apply the franchise tag or the transition tag, whatever that figure is for that specific player, it has to hit the books. It's a placeholder, but it has to be accounted for. And if we're past March 15th, that's going to be one of the top 51 salaries, obviously, on their cap. So that's the risk you run. The player does not have to sign it for it to impact the team's cap. It does immediately the second it's offered. It's just a, a standard placeholder, sort of like a cap hold in the NBA if that's the sport you follow more. So there's risk to it. So some of these numbers that sound high, they're high, especially for some of these players that are fringe, you know, above average, but definitely not elite, but will be paid elite because of where the tag stands for their respective positions. Um, so the exclusive tag, I, I'm positive, is going to come into Lamar Jackson. Again, it's going to be 32 and change, not 45 and change. So Baltimore, while they're not in the greatest cap shape, you know, I, I, I have them with about 27 million of top 51 space right now. They can certainly do some damage and make that work over the, over the course of the next couple of weeks here. There's some trades on that roster to be made, in my opinion, um, starting with Chuck Clark. There's certainly some restructures that are sitting there, high base salaries for Ronnie Stanley, Marlon Humphrey, both players that are in the toe next year. Mark Andrews can be restructured. So they're going to make this work. If and when we get through April and the restricted period has ended and the, and the exclusive tag number now has to be applied, again, I, I, I've, I've said this before, I want to reiterate it because we're here. Tomorrow's the day. Whatever the, the top five salaries are, workout bonuses excluded on that quarterback market, at that point in time, at that snapshot moment in time in April, that's the exclusive tag. It has nothing to do with where it stands now or tomorrow. It's April. So when Deshaun gets restructured, when Josh Allen gets restructured, when Ryan Tannehill gets traded slash released or restructured, you know, anybody sitting in the top five right now, they're not going to be there. Okay. There's going to be Matt Patrick Mahomes going to get restructured this year. So the, the way it looks right now is not going to be how it looks in April. So we have to be privy to that. So there's a very, very good chance that at no point in time does Baltimore have to take $45 million on their cap ever for Lamar Jackson, at least not through this, this iteration of, of finance, right? Extension, that's a different conversation. But, you know, I think Kirk Cousins is going to be a factor here. I think possibly Matt Ryan, though that's a contract that is yuck, right? Aaron Rodgers' cap is going down if he's traded. That's just a fact. So Jared Goff might factor in at $30 million. My point is, if we're talking about a, trans, a, a franchise tag right now, that as an ex, the non-exclusive nature is in that 32 range, I think the exclusive might be right there as well when it's all said and done because of the restructures, because of where things shake out here. So Baltimore you know, fans shouldn't be freaking the hell out about how this tag situation is going to make March completely untenable for them. 
any tag is going to hurt because it's, you know, one year high price. So it's a placeholder. It's doing its job. It's probably doing more than what was originally, you know, intended for, which was we want to keep our star players at least giving the team a chance to retain them. Now it's kind of trickled down into the non-stars, right? Now it's kind of trickled down into if you're worth a damn in free agency, we don't want you to get there. And I think that's gone a little bit too far. But I digress. Lamar's a shoo-in, right? Lamar's also, in my opinion, a shoo-in to get that tag and immediately be put on the block because they're at least going to see what's there. They're at least going to tread the waters on it, especially with a player like Derek Carr available, especially with situations where possibly Justin Fields is available. And by the way, I posted a NFL trade candidate piece yesterday on spytrack.com, and I was forced to include Justin Fields because I'm hearing way too much smoke around that, and I don't believe it yet, but... When you think about what the Bears can do this offseason over the next three, four months with their cap space, with their draft capital, with Justin Fields on his rookie contract in year two, right? Heading to year three of his rookie contract. That's power. Now they're bad and they got a lot of work to do. And that's maybe even more reason to trade Justin Fields, right? Because you can restart the rookie contract clock by drafting somebody this year. You're going to get more draft capital for a player like Justin Fields. And by the way, teams like Washington, teams like Baltimore then would be in on a player like this because they love the rookie price tag. Baltimore lo- loves getting rid of draft picks for, for players that are ready to go right now. And certainly Justin Fields is trending in that direction. And by the way, he's probably joining a system that knows exactly how to utilize him, at least from a winning standpoint, not from a Super Bowl standpoint. So all of those kind of dots have been connected in my brain a little bit here. And I'm not gonna not gonna back off this year. Last year I backed off on Lamar. I'm not gonna back off. <laughs> okay. Baltimore is gonna test the waters. They're gonna take the phone calls. They're gonna understand what's out there. Because while it might not make them a better team next year, they are not the kind of team that's gonna give in really on any contract. They haven't for a very, very long time. They got bullied into the Flacco contract. And by the way, I, they're probably still miserable from it in that front office, even though a lot's been turned over. That's one they want back. And they don't want to do it again here, especially with all the red flags that Lamar holds that to me don't outweigh how good this player is. But that's me. I'd pay this player, but I'm not sitting there. I'm not sitting in any team. So Lamar's on the trade block. I'm, I mentioned it already. I'm going to put Orlando Brown Jr. on the trade block uh, because I think what we saw last offseason from Kansas City is they don't want to be bullied into a contract. Even if the left tackle is damn important to them, so was the WR1. And Tyreek is Tyreek. He's irreplaceable. He was not replaced this year. He was simply, you know, substituted for two or three players who produced to about 85% of what Tyreek Hill can do. And it was enough because their quarterback produces about 115% of what every, every other quarterback can do. And that is the leverage that they have. Will they utilize that same mindset with Orlando Brown Jr., who, yes, they gave up trade assets for Yes, they slapped the tag on him last year. I think all we have to know right now, and I'm pretty confident about this one as well, is that Orlando Brown Jr. is getting that second franchise tag. It's going to be a $19.9 million hit. It's 120% of last year's franchise tag. Uh, so it's a, it's a million and a half more than the actual offensive lineman franchise tag this year, but that's the price to pay for a second tag. Um, Kansas City does not have that kind of cap space right now. So they're going to have to restructure Mahomes. They're going to have to restructure Kelsey. You know, they're going to consider a Chris Jones extension, probably a Frank Clark 
release, trade, restructure, something there with that big high cap hit. Uh, we've talked about that quite a bit. There's a What's Next article on Kansas City Live on SpyTrack.com talking about more options. But I, I think we start sometime over the next week with the second tag for Orlando Brown Jr. And I think they immediately look to move that. Yes, because of the price tag. Also because they had an immense amount of success on their offensive line. And he might not have been the best player. And I think what they learned last year is as long as the interior of that offensive line is strong and young and, and fast and able, they're going to be okay. So they can retain Andrew Wiley on their white side, right side for much, much cheaper than this, right? And they'll do that. And if they have to start over fresh on the left tackle, which sounds crazy, sounds backwards, right? Because that's we've always been kind of homegrown to consider that being the starting point. And then we move across the line from the left to the right. I'm not sure that's how things are working right now in this league. And especially with a player like Mahomes, who will get flushed, who just needs a couple of seconds, right, to find Travis Kelsey in a seam route or certainly across the middle or even those out patterns the Juju that we saw work so successfully in the Super Bowl. He just needs a little bit of time and that's interior. And his interior absolutely held up. The Creed Humphrey stuff was the real deal. It was, I think, the single biggest addition to this roster over the past 18 months. I believe that they feel like they can patch that one together. They're going to need a body. There's no question about it. And whether that's via draft, whether that's something that they you know, a draft pick that they acquire here in the Orlando Brown trade for a team that absolutely needs it and is willing to overpay for a left tackle like Brown, Chicago, Pittsburgh. I think that they're going to find themselves a situation that they can't turn back on. And I think in both cases, there's a better than 50% chance that Jackson and Brown are not on their respective teams despite the franchise tag coming their way. So I got the meaty stuff out of the way off the top here. Let's let's calm it down a little bit now, <laughs> have a little bit more brevity. Um, the players that I added today, let's start there. I added Caleb McGarry, the offensive tackle, the right tackle for the Atlanta Falcons, another team that should not be thinking about thinning out an offensive line, right? Because they're about to change the quarterback again for what? The third straight year out of Matt Ryan here. Um. I believe they should tag this player. Now, 18.2 million for a above average but not elite right tackle is bonkersville. You know? The Falcons, I'm not gonna say it was lightning in a bottle because there were there's a lot of talent on that roster. They have drafted very well, very well over the past four or five years. Underrated, and they surprised the hell out of a lot of people for what, 10 weeks? I mean, they were basically in the driver's seat for 10 weeks. And the Kyle Pitts injury certainly torpedoed some things. But that's a team that I think with two or three defensive hits this offseason, drafting free agency, is atop that standings. Maybe handedly with the Saints in so much flux, with Tampa Bay now stuck in the mud and without a quarterback option, with Carolina similar. So I'm not ready for this team to really have value anywhere. And if you have to overpay for this, for a right tackle, you know, which is kind of counterpointing everything I just said about the Chiefs. The Chiefs and the Falcons are two completely different scenarios. And you have to think about it that way when you're rebuilding these rosters. I'd like them to take the Jacksonville Jaguars approach, which is they knew they had already replaced Cam Robinson as a tackle on that line. But guess what? Having both options, having three tackles instead of one is just better, <laughs> especially when 
We all needed Trevor Lawrence to have a better season. We all needed this team to take steps forward in every direction. Why would we thin out our offensive line if that's the plan? It's the same mindset here with Atlanta. I think there's a lot of things happening that are going well. And I believe that if you thin yourself out in this specific spot, and by the way, I'd say the same thing about the defensive line. That's why they didn't move on from Grady Jarrett, in my opinion. They paid him. Overpay here. Keep more things in tow than you probably need. Continue to draft. You know, continue to try to find some value at some of these spots. But you're going to pay Chris Lindstrom, I believe, the best guard in football right now, out of nowhere. Jake Matthews, you've continued to redo you know, contract after contract because he's just worth the price of admission for you. Let's, let's have that mindset here as well. And if it's a one-year deal, if he signs the t- franchise tag, you're going to have to deal with it. You know, if that's just something he wants to play out and that hits, hits the open market next year on himself, that's a better on himself situation that's going to benefit you on the field. So that one's going to look weird to a lot of people. What the hell am I doing here? And by the way, I've, I've even predicted no tag on the piece because it is a big number. For a player that, you know, is probably around the 13 to $14 million mark, which is, you know, second tier, almost high third tier right tackle money right now. But I just, I'm putting the situation first. And I, I'd love to see them model the Jacksonville situation. Added today, Jawan Taylor, right tackle, Jacksonville Jaguars, verbatim conversation. They've already done it once with the left tackle and Cam Robinson. If they have to tag Taylor, keep him off the market. Because guess what? He's a $14 million player in my system right now. He's getting at least 16, maybe 18 from the Bears, the Steelers. There are more teams out there. There's contenders out there, right? The, the 49ers are going to have to replace, I think, the right side of their offensive line over the next couple of months. There's big teams that need players like this, able-bodied, versatile tackle guards like this. So um, his market value isn't worth a damn right now when he hits the market because there's 9, 10 teams immediately calling. Jacksonville can simply just say, nope, we're going to keep him around and we're going to try to work out our own deal and we're going to make everybody happy for one more year if we have to. If that isn't the case, let's say they announce an extension on Juwan Taylor, very possible over the next couple of weeks here. Evan Engram, I think, is actually a value tag for them. Now, he made about nine and a half last year on a showcase deal. You know, that's, this is a former first rounder, kind of busted out of the Giants. We all know the story. He didn't have the greatest season, but you could understand where we're going with this, right? You can understand that there's a relationship starting to build here with Trevor Lawrence, and he is a very different type of weapon from ETN, from Kirk, from Jones, possibly from Italy. He stands out, and I think that's what the Giants were hoping he was going to be, was that sort of unicorn player, and they just didn't have the offensive scheme, the quarterback, all that kind of stuff, all clicking at the same cylinder. So, I think this relationship needs to continue and an $11.3 million tag for this player. There's a world where that's value because in my opinion, he's out there looking for Hunter Henry's contract, 12 and a half a year, 25 million guaranteed. You know, he's already played on his one year deal. So he's not going to be thrilled with the tag. My thinking is you place the tag on him. You piss him off a little bit. Maybe that number drops a little bit and you're working on four for 44 for Evan Engram, which is probably about right. Half guaranteed, right? 22, 23 million guaranteed. That's probably where this ends up, but I'd tag him. Now, if, if you have the Taylor situation figured out or if you know where you're going right tackle-wise, I would tag Evan Engram if I'm Jacksonville because too many positives to just let that thing walk away, in my opinion. Uh, Dremont Jones, the defensive end from the Denver Broncos, this one's really starting to pick up steam. Look, he's a five, six, six sack a year player, um, 
and that has a lot of value. The problem is when you start putting that up against defensive you know, ends or edge rushers that have 15, 16, or even 12, right? that gap is huge now. So should there be that big of a pay gap between a Draymond Jones and a Chandler Jones, right? Or a Redick? Maybe, maybe those guys are doing more and more and more and more. But what this guy did with only 13 games of action in 2022, he was about to have a monster contract year. He had a, he already had a career year in 13 games. He was going to have a big year. He was going to approach the tens sack wise. Um, so it's, it's possible that somebody looks at him and says, that's Carl Lawson to me. That's a player that if he changes teams, we're willing to go. I mean, Carl Lawson got 15 million two years ago. So we're talking 17, 18 million a year right now. If that's the version of what Jones will be on the open market to a new team. So is a $19.7 million tag too much for Denver? Maybe, you know, there's a lot of miles to feed. They already moved on from Chubb. I think they're deficient in this, in this role right now. And they certainly don't have the draft picks to go up there and get a top, top tier edge rusher right now in this upcoming draft. Um, there's a world where they replace this thing though on the fly versus going massive tag and hoping that they can drop that thing a little bit with an extension. My guess is they love this player because I'm hearing so many local beats stand out and say, it's just not going to happen. They're not going to let this guy walk. They're going to figure out some way possible. So that's some way possible. Maybe a $19.7 million franchise tag in the next couple of days. One to keep an eye on because that's going to raise some eyebrows. It raised my eyebrows the past week or so as I've been tracking it. And I got to a point where I said, I can't do this. <laughs> I have to, I've got to put this guy down here and talk about it a little bit because I don't want to be sitting there completely confuddled that they did this having just not known the player enough. There's been so much, you know, many other headlines coming out of Denver that you look at a player like this who's hitting the open market and you realize this guy's basically almost more than doubled his value from 2021 to 2020 now. That's where he's been. That's how consistently good he has improved over the past year and a half. So don't be surprised if that number hits soon. Jacoby Myers, what would your reaction be if the New England Patriots put a $19.7 million franchise tag on a wide receiver on any weapon, right? On anything. Even if they tagged a quarterback, it would be breaking news, right? At some point in time, we have to get away from the old Patriots you know, way of thinking because they are, I mean, they changed that two years ago when they had that huge offseason. Now it didn't work, it sort of worked, it certainly rebuilt their defense. Um, but they've already started to change. You know, nothing last year was Tom Brady, Bill Belichick like. Nothing. They've already started to completely turn over. And they're going back to a little bit more normalcy this year with Bill O'Brien and some traditional coaching and, you know, all the things you're supposed to do as an actual NFL franchise. So why would we believe that they're not going to throw a wrench into it at any point in time? This would be a wrench. Let me put some preface to it, though. Do I think they love this player and want him? Yes. Do they, do they usually keep their top weapons? No. <laughs> no. Okay. They don't pay these players. They don't. They acquire top weapons from other teams who have already paid out signing bonuses so they can get a little bit of value on them. It's just a fact. Now, they give first-round picks for them. You know, they lose draft capital to get those players on friendly contracts, but they do it. So let's reverse that course a little bit. Let's say they're going to overpay a placeholder on 19.7 to keep Myers in the fold for the next two weeks. And they're going to be thrilled to announce that they have traded him to put your team in here. Right. And there's a lot of teams and that's the thing. 
I'm already hearing Jacoby Myers being attached to eight franchises this offseason because it's a thin market. It's not a great wide receiver market. In fact, I think the trade market's going to be way better than the free agent market for wide receivers right now. And the draft is certainly going to be somewhere in the middle there. So the Patriots probably just, just want in. Why would we just let this guy walk and take a comp pick when I think we could put a number on this guy, a number that's probably going to be about right, because doesn't this kind of feel like Christian Kirk 2.0? Well, Christian Kirk was 18 million a year, and now that market's 30, and now the cap is 224, 25-ish. So a Christian Kirk deal right now is 20, 21, 22 even per year. So you put a one for 19 on this guy, who could maybe be the best available wide receiver on the free market, and you put him on the trade block immediately. And you say, who really wants him? Because we've all heard your names out there. Who really wants this guy? Come and get him. Give us a couple of picks. Make the comp pick situation better for us. And we're all good to go. And he's yours. And then you can take that tag and turn it into a contract that you want. Make it work for you. And we'll go from here. I believe that's how the Patriots will operate. Which, by the way, is very Patriots-like. But they generally don't do it this way. right? They generally do it the other way. In the reverse fashion. It's probably good business. You know what the worst case scenario here is? They, do, they aren't able to trade him and they get to keep this guy. And yeah, the 19 million stinks for them. It's not something they generally do, but that they can, they can certainly handle that with a rookie quarterback and some expiring running back contracts. And, you know, they can restructure Kendrick Bourne or even move on from him if they need to. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of flexibility right now on a team that's in the middle somewhere. This guy helps and he can help you on the field or he can help you with a tag and trade. And I think both iterations are good business right now. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, one of the big stories from Philadelphia. Boy, talking about making a name for yourself, right? The Saints trade him, which was a big, big time eyebrow raise for me, except for you started to read the room a little bit and you knew exactly where we were getting to. And by the way, we're here. The Saints traded him because they absolutely knew they weren't gonna be able to retain him. They weren't gonna tag him and they weren't gonna be able to sign him long-term because this guy, when put in the right situation, was going to explode and was going to be top of the safety market type contract. Well, the injury, you know, nipped it in the butt a little bit, except for he still, you know, I think it was six interceptions in 10 games, some crazy number like that. He was about to break the bank in one season after an immediate trade from another contender, right? We know where this is headed. You know, we've seen these safety market really pop out. Um, is this a Jesse Bates type situation? I think it should be for Philly. I think that $14 million tag, 14-4, isn't the worst situation in the world, you know? Because if he's a $14 million player in our system right now, that's because of two years with some injuries and things like that. It's just a fact of life. That's how the numbers bear out. If he's 14 for us, he's going out there looking five for 80. You know how this works. Open market, big name, big production this past year, Super Bowl. Everything's was everything's on his resume right now you know, including contenders that need this kind of position, quite a few of them, Buffalo being one of them. You know, he's going big. He's going big in the open market, and the Philadelphia Eagles can simply stop that with a tag. He won't like it. It'll be Jesse Bates holding out all over again, in my opinion, but I think this one's getting done. Um, there's too many defensive players, that we, and we talked about it last week, that are going to fall off this roster, whether it's age, retirement, cap. There's going to be a lot of turnover. They can stop this one from happening with a tag, so I expect that one to happen. All right, there's your additions. Um, just a couple more things off the top of my head. The Daniel Jones stuff is getting fun. Uh, I did not have him predicted to get a tag here. I thought the tag was going to go to Barkley, which 
10 million for Barkley in a situation where he definitely doesn't want it. And he's looking for probably 13 million a year, 14 million a year. And give him, I give him all the credit that has shifted because Daniel Jones has now changed agents from reputable quarterback agency, CAA to top of the market quarterback contract athletes first, uh, making a change right now, a day before the deadline, you know, less than a month before the league year in your walk year is extremely telling. What it's telling me is something's not going right. And the only thing it could be is negotiations with the giants. Daniel Jones is here and I'm pointing high and the giants are here and I'm pointing middle, right? My guess is the giants are in the 25 mark per year, right? 50 million guaranteed over two, 75, something in that Derek Carr contract coming soon here situation. And Jones is here in the car numbers out there. Jones is here in the Garoppolo numbers out there. He knows what's coming for Hertzboro and, and Herbert, right? Not even talking Lamar here. And he knows what's going to happen with Geno Smith, which is Geno's most likely getting this $32 million tag. And that's where I'm starting. If Geno Smith is worth a $32 million franchise tag to the Seattle Seahawks, a player who, and I, and I hate to be insensitive about it, was literally in street clothes two years ago, right? Basically a third stringer. And went, went took one year and projected himself to, to we can't let you get away. We're going to tag you at $32.4 million. If that's where Geno Smith is, well, then that's the that's not even a floor for Daniel Jones, right? That is a throwaway. So the fact that you're probably hearing rumors about him wanting 40, 45 million a year, it's not insane, right? Derek Carr just had 40.05 that he was released out of, but he got it. It's real. Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to make 15 million a year, despite what, what my mentions tell me. You know, every time I post a quarterback conversation, he's not because those days are done. All right. If you're that, then you're barely a starter. And Jimmy Garoppolo, when he's healthy, is an above average starter. He's not the most accurate quarterback in football. Okay. He doesn't make the quickest decisions, but he's an above average quarterback and he's a winner. And he has been. Not making 15 million. Okay. Jameis Winston made 15 million. Mitch Trubisky made almost that much as a, in a backup role last year, competing for a starting job. Daniel Jones is a starting quarterback, first and foremost. And his current team wants him to remain the starting quarterback. All right? He's getting the tag. Let's just say this out loud. It's going to happen, especially with all this riffraff back and forth. The riffraff tells me immediately they're, they're a mile apart, a mile apart. The Giants don't want to push. And Joe Shane has seen this with Brandon Bean. He understands how this, not, not the quarterback position, right? But at a lot of other positions, he has seen Brandon Bean hold his own with edge rushers and cornerbacks and all sorts of things. And he's seen, honestly, value left and right come back to a team that I, I, I think the Bills two years ago is sort of similar to where the Giants are right now. You could smell it. You know, they're, they're trending upward in a lot of directions. And Jones is worth it. Is he worth 45 million? Is he worth 90 million guaranteed at signing or 115 million guaranteed at signing if it's two and a half years? If I'm hesitating that much, just tag the guy. All right. And if he holds out, then play Tyrod Taylor. And I'm, and I'm being dead serious here. I'm being dead serious. Um, Tyrod Taylor has some guaranteed money. 
there's a world where they understood that that fallback option was coming. Maybe not because they had they couldn't pay Daniel Jones enough money. I think it was exactly the opposite of that. But this is a good problem to be having here. Tag the guy. Give yourself till July 15th to let those negotiations settle down on both sides a little bit. Understand where things go, right? What if Geno Smith ends up getting three for 90 as a multi-year extension, right? What if Garoppolo comes in and it's a number that you like, that you can work off of if you're Joe Shane and the Giants? Let things progress around you because the Hurts and the Burrow stuff, we're, we're not in that world right now with Daniel Jones, nor should we be. We're not even close to it, all right? Daniel Jones had his fifth-year option declined for a reason. Now, things are trending upward, but they're not all the way up, right? There ha- there's been no, we're going all in on this guy, and if he doesn't produce, then he's the problem. We haven't seen that, all right? We saw a guy who was given a team and a new coaching staff and a lot of parts that went out, right? A lot of add subtraction situations over the past two seasons, in-season and off-season. And he's righted the ship with this new coaching staff. There's no question about it. That is the perfect reason to use a franchise tag. It's perfect, right? We just got to give ourselves more time. Now, maybe this franchise tag situation is we're going to tag you. We're going to ask you to play on this. And we're going to go and start to do what the Philadelphia Eagles did and the Chiefs did and the Bills did, which is just add and add and add as much as possible because we smell it too. We know what's here. We know what the coaching staff has figured out. We know what kind of loopholes we've unhinged here. Just stay with us, all right? It's good coin right now. We'll get to you. It's not going to be a Kirk Cousins situation where we're double tagging you. All right. We know what your value is. We're just not ready to go. We're not comfortable going there yet. Just have the conversation. Right. And maybe they are. Maybe that's where they are with this. But I'm not going to fault Daniel Jones and his previous agency for going 45 million a year. And by the way, the new one he selected, they're not going lower. (laughs) Okay. All right, we have seen too many monster quarterback contracts come out of that agency to know where this is headed. Now, will there be a little bit of logic at the end of the day? Yes, but make that logic July. Don't do it now, all right? Don't force this fake franchise tag deadline into making a bad decision, either side of this table, right? If Daniel Jones has to play out 32 and a half million, I think he should be satisfied with that. And I generally vote for players getting as much money as possible but I think it's the best move for both for the organization. And oh, by the way, then if you hit the open market and you're Kirk Cousins 2.0, well, you've got all the leverage in the world, Daniel Jones, right? All the leverage in the world because there's going to be somebody out there who's going to need a quarterback. And when you see what Derek Carr's number ends up being with Carolina or the Jets or Tampa Bay or the Saints, everybody's going to calm down and say, all right, it's still okay to change teams on a quarter, you know, on the open market as a quarterback. Everybody's going to be fine. There's plenty of money in the in the banana stand. So I think that's where we're headed. That was a long-winded conversation about you know just tag the damn guy, but they should just tag the damn guy and let the uh, next five months sort of unfold as they will. And by the way, that means other quarterback contracts hitting, which aren't going to damage either side's approach to this. If Daniel Jones is already at forty-five million a year, he understands where this is going. And if the Giants aren't even close to that, they're going to have to understand where this is going. And if they, if they honestly don't believe they can get it done, you don't let him walk. That's my point. You don't, you don't simply just let him walk to Washington where he would go in a heartbeat. Okay. Very quickly. Um, the numbers on Track, especially if you go to the cap tracker, it's called cap space top 51 for a reason. 
starting March 15th for 4 p.m. ET, only the 51 highest cap hits on any team count toward the salary cap. That's it. Okay. So you're looking at, t- at rosters that are going to have into the 60s and 70s soon, especially when free agency starts to ramp up. For the most part right now, they're in the 50s, the 40s. Uh, some teams are in the 60s right now. Um, you know, I think the average is about 53 players on a roster right now. So for the most part, teams are running at around that 51 mark, which means even a couple of minimum salaries are being tossed into cap purposes right now. Well, as free agents sign and some of those, you know, eight, $9 million cap hits hit, some of those minimum salaries will fall off the bottom. So an $8 million hit before uh, the start of the season is $8 million minus whatever minimum salary just fell off. Just remember that there's always a, a, a bit of a gain here. That runs right till week one. All right. And eventually we'll get to a point where practice squads and injured reserves and all those things get, get, get uh, included as well. But teams get the offseason at a 51 cap rate. So it's really important. And we, uh, we strike out the contracts that don't exist on the bottom of the cap tracker so you can understand exactly what's happening there. That's what those strikeouts mean. It doesn't mean that they don't actually count. They will eventually count. It's just right now, not for the top 51 purposes. Um, you're looking at, if you're looking at a payroll page right now, a cap table, you'll see the projected draft pool for the 2023 draft picks for that team. Um, and that's based on the 224 cap and everything. This is something that I believe gets overblown every March. Yep, it's real. It, it, it completely exists. And the numbers that we have there, the top 51 numbers for a draft pool. So I'm looking at the Eagles right now. The Eagles have an $8.4 million top 51 draft pool. Why is it eight? First of all, why is it that? And why is that different than their total draft pool? It's because of the top 51 rule. So if you think about it, right, the first round pick... And the Eagles have two. So both of their first round picks are going to have high enough cap hits to account for one of those top 51 draft uh, cap hits. So they'll hit their, all of their cap hits are going to be part of that top 51. All right. Their second round pick as of right now also will fully count as will their third round pick right now. So full cap hits accounting toward the top 51 if and when. Their two seventh round picks now the only thing that's going to account for top 51, and this is something I left out here, are the signing bonus prorations. All the minimum base salaries will fall off because they're not part of the top 51. So we're talking minimal. We're talking $53,000 worth of cap to sign their seventh round picks on a top 51 standpoint. So $8.4 million for the Eagles to sign their six draft picks. Why am I saying this gets overblown? Number one, those draft picks don't even get drafted till April, signed till May, June, and by that point, everybody has a different version of everything. A, the draft picks are different because of trades, draft day trades, things like that. B, free agents have already been signed. Cap casualties have already happened. The cap landscape is completely different for every single team. Trades have already processed, right? A lot has changed. So if you're worried that the Eagles are you know, minus 1.5 or minus 4, whatever it is right now, based on reserve contracts, and they're, they can't even sign their draft class. I'm not saying it's irrelevant. What I'm saying is if I'm sitting in the GM chair right now, that's at the bottom of my list. I know it exists. I know it's something I'm going to have to account for eventually. It's fluid. And it's probably a last priority right now. Because at the end of the day, I can just go back up here and I can take Darius Slay's base salary and convert it into a signing bonus. And I've got more than enough cap space to sign the entire draft class. It's that easy for teams in this type of situation. Now, some teams make it harder than they need to, but 
it's that simple. So yes, talk about it. Yes. You know, having a lot of first round picks is expensive. So some teams have two, some teams will have three by the end of it all. It gets expensive on the cap, but later, right? That's not a March 15th problem. That's a June 15th problem or a May 15th problem later. So teams have time to figure that stuff out, but recognize it, but put it aside for now. Uh, dead cap. I did a whole article. I've done a couple of episodes on it. Um, I'm happy to go on shows and talk about it as much as possible. It's really complicated when you talk about all the facets of dead cap, but you know, signing bonuses that get spread out, option bonuses get spread out. When you hear restructures, right? We had one this morning, uh, Eric McCoy's $10 million roster bonus, which was going to be $10 million of cap this year, got converted to a signing bonus. Now that's 10 million cash. He still gets it in his hand right now. But instead of it being 10 million of cap this year, it's two, then two, then two, then two, then two over the next five years. So 8 million saved, 10 million on the cap becomes 2 million on the cap this year. And the, and the rest of the 8 million becomes the next four seasons at 2 million each. That's sort of the easiest approach here, right? Guaranteed salary also acts as dead cap because if you cut the player tomorrow, anything guaranteed to him has to go to him. It's cash in hand all this year. Give it to him right now. So those are really the easiest iterations of this right now. So when you're looking at these huge dead cap numbers on some of these team tables, that's why, right? AJ Brown, obviously there's guaranteed salary, there's signing bonus. He's got an option bonus that kicks in this year. All right. Most teams use all these avenues and it loads up on player dead cap and eventually loads up on team dead cap when those players get traded or released or retired or void years and all that stuff. Let's talk void years. It's a big time for that. Many, many players are having their void situations happen right now, like literally this morning. Um, and I can use the Eagles because I just uh, transacted two of them. Uh, James Bradbury had void years. There's, I believe there were six total Eagles that's, that had void years about to expire in 2023. There's still four left on this table right now, maybe even more. Um, James Bradbury had a deal in place that was basically you know, a placeholder deal, a, br- a bringover deal from the Giants. And in order to keep the cap low last year, they built in a signing bonus with four void years, which allows the, the signing bonus to spread out the five years that I just referenced with Eric McCoy, right? Well, those void years don't just stay spread out, unfortunately, all right? They get truncated into the next year, which is right now. So the $4.9 million of cap that was spread out over four years, 2023 through 2026, as of this morning now, all becomes 2023 dead cap, which I processed this morning for the Eagles. The same thing happened on a bigger scale with Javon Hargrave. I believe that number was 11.9 million. Um, that, that was already being accounted for on our, ta- on our tables. I'm already doing that, that work to progress what's going to hit once the contract voids. So 2023 numbers aren't, didn't change an, a lick with this. But now instead of it being active void cap, it's dead cap. So you're looking at, if you're looking at the dead cap tracker on our site, the Eagles had $17 million added to their dead cap this morning because of those two voids. And there's plenty more coming. I mentioned how James Bradbury had a one-year contract with four void years. So it looks like five years and that those void years don't stay spread out. They void automatically this morning and things get truncated. If he had signed an extension before this void happened this morning, that dead cap could have remained spread out, all right? And instead of 4.9 million all right now, 
it could have stayed at 1.2 million for the next four seasons because now there's actual salaries built into those years. So 2023 had an actual salary, 24 an actual salary. So you could have kept that proration spread out. So we will see that. We will see some teams with players they want to keep jump in front of a void so that they don't take the big hit this year. They keep things spread out and they add a new contract, a new signing bonus, things like that to it. All right, it starts to add up your dead cap, right? But it helps this year specifically even more. We talked about that a lot with Tom Brady, who, because of his retirement stuff, forced the Bucks to take on all $35.14 million this year versus signing that fake contract, letting things spread out, stay spread out, and helping them out a little bit in 2023. Not the case. Uh, not the case here at Bradbury or Hargrave either. Okay. Restructures. I said it. I'm going to say it again. 99.99% of the time when you hear or read a restructure has happened, the player has not lost money. He has not lost cash. If you, if you read, especially on our site, if you read pay cut, that's exactly what it sounds like. Okay. Aaron Jones, pay cut to stay with the Packers this year. Five million, I believe, was the number. And restructure. Okay. So that was a pay cut and a contract restructure at the exact same time. That's common when we're talking about less money. But if you just hear restructure or base salary conversion or converted a roster bonus to signing bonus like Eric McCoy this morning, it's just cap stuff. It's just cash in hand, same amount of cash for the player, but we're taking some of that cap and instead of it being all this year, we're going to move it down to the next five on, on a maximum. That's what it's going to be. There's going to be dozens of them over the next month, dozens and dozens and dozens. Every team has six or seven that they have to do themselves, right? Not less cash, just less cap. I'm happy to explain everyone in detail. I'm trying to do it with our transactions now and actually under, you know, this much from a roster bonus and this much from a base salary and maybe the workout bonus and maybe they converted the per game bonuses into guaranteed salary. And I'm, I'm trying to spell that out absolutely as much as possible. But any questions, just, just hit me up. And if I don't have the answers, I'll see the answers out and we'll, we'll get back to it. But um, that's the big one. That's the one I hear more and more every single offseason is, well, why would this guy take less money? Why would he do that for, his, for himself just to help his team? He's not. Okay. He's not taking less money. Oh, 99.99% of the time he's not taking less money. Uh, what else here? Restricted tenders are coming. So some of these cap numbers are going to drop even more uh, and teams are not as healthy as you might think they are. No team in this league, I'll say this out loud, no team in this league is crazily unhealthy. And I realize Tampa Bay sitting at minus 55 right now. There's eight ways for them to, to get out of this by March 15th. They're going to be fine. New Orleans has already shed almost 10 million. Maybe even more than that. Eight McCoy. Yeah, I think it's more than that now. So New Orleans has already started their process. They've done two massive restructures, all both that were absolutely going to happen. You know, nothing new here. And they're at minus 44. So they're on their way. Um, I've got about a third of the league, close to, actually close to a half of the league right now, in the negatives on, on February 20th. That's It's common. The league average cap space, top 51 right now, is six. That's not great. I mean, that's not even signing draft classes to go back to that point. The Bears still sit at the top with 97. Um, and I don't think they're going to be a, you know, having a, 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 a spending spree here in free agency. It's just not what they are right now. Um, Cap-wise, elsewhere. I'm going to throw it out to you. At Trek on Twitter, what don't you get? Is it an option bonus? Are you still confused about dead cap? Are you still confused about restructures? 
Um, not likely bonuses. I'm happy to talk about those if you need. What is it about your team specifically or just the NFL contract structure in general that's confusing the hell out of you still? It always has. Or what don't you like? That's another question to pose out there. What do you think should change? You know, and maybe not so much the guaranteed contract and all that stuff. Just what about the iteration of the NFL contract bothers you? I've got my things and I'm happy to respond to that if I get some great questions and answers from you guys. Um, because I think that's a that's a discussion worth having right now. You know, we can talk about the franchise tags and how those are, I think, falling a little bit short right now. They have for a while, but that's just not a CBA situation that anybody wants to get into. Should contracts be restructurable? There's a question I'm going to pose to you. Should you be allowed to, to change everything about a contract even after it's been signed? You know, there's baseball terms that basically disallow that for the most part. The NBA disallows that kind of thing. You are stuck with what you're stuck with, and there are very, 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 very minute loopholes to get out of it, and Keith Smith knows them. <laughs> and I love when it happens because he lights up like a like a Christmas bulb, um, similar to that Miles Turner extension here. But the NFL is basically just a free-for-all. You know, Any salary can be converted. Any signing bonus can be moved. You, know, you can triple signing bonus with option bonuses. I mean, in some cases, players have four prorated bonuses if you're a Philadelphia Eagles player, right? Including restructures. There's a lot of ways around things. And I think there's too many, too many ways around it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. What do you love? What do you hate? If you follow multiple sports, do you, do you appreciate the NFL more or less than the other sports you follow when it comes to the finances? Where are you on this? I'd love to hear some questions. That's by track on Twitter. That's it for today. Um, franchise tag window starts tomorrow, like I said, till March 7th. So don't expect every team to fall in tomorrow morning. It's not going to happen. I posted that tag piece live on spotrate.com. I'm going to get it back to the top fold. So it's right in front and center for tomorrow. Um, I, as I mentioned, there's an NFL trade candidates piece live with, I think there's a dozen or so players on some big ass teams. Obviously Aaron Rodgers is on this list. If you're sick of that, he's first, just keep scrolling. But if not, I've got the traded contract there for most of these players. You can understand what the new team would have to take on to acquire this player. Jalen Ramsey's on this list. That's a name to watch. Uh, the Rams always do something that throws us off a little bit here, kind of every offseason here, because they have to, because of dead cap, because of early extensions, because of contract stuff. So look for them to be active in some manner over the next couple of weeks here. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Chinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spy Track Podcast.